Hey guys, Coach here. How you doing? Love talking to the crew. Glad you guys are here. Hey, you know, uh, this particular week, our episode is talking about timers. Timers that involve irrigation and also lighting. So if you've ever wanted to know just a little bit more about what's hanging on the wall out in the garage or outside in the wall, wherever you guys might have it, this will be the program for you. And I hope you take us along. Take us along and uh, wherever you're going, biking or jogging or, or whatever you might be doing, I sure appreciate the attention, I really do. Hey, you know, about 25 years ago, I was introduced to automatic irrigation timers as part of a, as part of a training program I received at my first nursery employment. I've mentioned that both in the ebook and the course, but it was back at Navalet's Nursery in the San Francisco Bay Area. Back then, there were old Rick Dell brand timers with, uh, gears and pins that determine preset times to water, preset days, and the old skip-a-day wheels. Maybe some of you listening actually remember those things, and maybe even some of you have one on a wall somewhere still. They're pretty much antiques by now, just about like coaches. This week we discuss these timers, both for irrigation and lighting. You know, done right, they sure take a heck of a burden off our shoulders as far as part of the landscape maintenance responsibility. It really puts a little bit of automaticity into our landscape maintenance. Well guys, glad you're here. Here we go, let's get started. Hey, I'm Matt and you can call me coach. You know, this podcast is about DIY landscape education and concepts, ideas and solutions so you guys can tackle projects yourself be a heck of a lot more self-reliant in this day and age and save a lot of money in the process. And man, you know, after a 20 plus year career in that green industry, I bring with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I want to share with you guys. You know, that new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, those old timers were pretty simplistic little machines but they were not as accurate and as versatile as those of today, that's for sure. You know, after passing certain, literally, I mean, get this for a, for a nursery job, after passing certain written and demonstrative tests I had to take, I was deemed a certified irrigation specialist. Ooh, ah, yeah. Uh, that and a, a quarter would have got me a cup of coffee, and that was about it. But you know something? At the ripe old age of 19, I thought I'd accomplished something. And you know, my green industry career was underway. Well, today, like so many advancements in technology, timers have become more intricate and high-tech than <laughs> I could have ever have imagined. The capabilities and versatility have come quite a ways over the last 30 to 40 years, but they still serve only one function, to automatically turn on and turn off irrigation or a lighting system. That's its basic function. It is just how they do it now compared to then. What I found when installing these more advanced Wi-Fi capable timers now was I had to make it as simplistic as I could, <laughs> initially for myself, uh, for the, turn it over to the project client, you know, the, the person that hired me. Many times, many times when I got done with the job and I did a walkthrough and we got to the timers, I always looked at my client and there was those who were confident and then those who were that deer or rabbit in the headlights look. That is what I saw when I tried to instruct a client on programming these things. The simplicity of my explanation boiled down to one thing, and that was I concentrated on the right-hand side of that timer wheel, and I kind of ignored 
the left side, and it really cut the complication down by 50%. So on the right-hand side of most irrigation timers nowadays, you'll have that more applicable side for the DIY homeowner. You'll have the uh, dates and times, you'll have the watering days, the times per station, you'll have the off times, and maybe on some models you'll have the, the manual start, but most of the time that manual start is over on the other side. Now, I'm not sponsored by any particular brand. I, I have used the Rainbird ESP timer for a very, very long time. Do I think it's better than some? Yeah, I do. I don't go towards Orbit brand, the ones that you find in some of the box stores. I stay away from them because I have, quite frankly, replaced more of those than I have installed ever. I've never installed an Orbit brand. But I have installed Hunters, I have installed Rainbird, I have installed Toro, and Irritrol. And I've had good luck with all of those. But I mainly stuck with Rainbird only because I became so familiar with it. And it was so reliable, like older family members in my tree and probably yours is, hey, Keep it simple, stupid, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's what I relied on. I relied on the reliability and a real big reduction in callback times. Yeah. This also went for lighting timers as well, and we'll discuss those in just a few minutes. Many younger homeowners, the ones that I've dealt with that are, well, now 40 years and younger, shall we say? These kids nowadays, I mean, they're just, they grew up tech savvy. It's almost like osmosis. They're, they just know. And I've, I've seen them, I've seen them take to these timers like a duck to water. They have the Wi-Fi set up with apps downloaded and programming their lawn timers uh, within 10 minutes. Within 10 minutes, they're up and running. And I've had comments from previous customers that said, hey, you know, I was uh, across the country or I was in New Zealand and I saw that the weather was really getting cooler or really getting hotter and it was so convenient to be able just to go on the internet on their iPhone and just do it. <laughs> they were reprogramming stuff from across the world. It was really quite, uh, quite a difference compared to my original days. But you know something, despite all the, the high-tech gadgetry that goes into these things now. They're little mini processors and little microcomputers and all the stuff that go in them. You know, seasonal adjustment according to daylight hours and temperature increases or decreases and number of days per week of watering. You may have to do it from your phone nowadays, but you know something? You still have to do it. You got to put a reminder in there. You know, nowadays having an electronic rain sensor in addition to your timer really helps with that water conservation. And usually they're kind of, you know, they may differ a little bit between brands, but a rain sensor will sense anything coming out of the sky that uh, amounts to a tenth of an inch or more. The sensor will put the irrigation timer into sleep mode for about 48 hours, and then it will return to normal unless more rain is detected. You know, proper placement of that sensor is key, and I really encourage you guys to seek one out and get it set up because we just can't be wasting water no more, period. You know, follow the instructions. I usually place them uh, at or near the gutter level, either with a clamp or something. Uh, I've also put them on uh, the tops of fences. I have even put up decorative 4x4 posts and put them on top of there, along with bird feeders and other things, you know, just to complete a job. But let's talk about uh, when things go wrong. You know, it's nice to have these devices, and when they're working great, <laughs> just pump your fist, and you're going, hey, this makes things a lot easier than going out there with the old manual valve turn on key and 
turning everything on and then going back out and turning everything off. Those days are kind of in the rear view mirror. I hope you agree with me on that. Well, everything has an end date and electronics are no, ex no exception. Well, the best advice I can give is get a quality material first and foremost. Don't get a cheapy brand, plain and simple. Just don't get a cheapy brand. Check and maintain that timer regularly and test it at least once a year. Test it at least once a year so that you know it is coming on and doing what it's supposed to do every single time. I found most irrigation malfunctions happened in the wiring that left the timer and at the outside valves themselves, either from rodent damage or excessive UV exposure or physical damage, you know? But the timer itself, I mean, I think I found mostly because uh, of excessive dirt and dust and in some cases actual physical damage where something struck the timer type of thing. Beyond these problems though, if it's put in the right place and kept clean and maintained and tested, you're pretty much guaranteed those things are gonna last a decade and beyond as long as you've got a good quality one. You know, when I was doing my walkthroughs, I would have my clients program their timers themselves under my instruction. And then when we got it and we've tested it and it was doing what it was supposed to do, we would do it again. So they would get two rounds of that and I would go back in between and I would kind of zero everything out and now we're gonna do it again. I had a few callbacks now and then to reprogram, but those were the exceptions, kind of not the rule. I found, and this is not age discrimination, because I, you know, I'm an old fart too, but I found that the older the person was, the more challenged they were to get the programming steps and what each stations and everything and how it actually all fit together when you were programming it. The younger kids, like I said, it, it was like show them once and they're pretty much good to go. This is the time of year right now in the fall. And if you haven't checked out last week's podcast about fall chores and stuff, you will know that fall is my favorite time of year. But this time of year is where timers require adjustment if you are still watering because rains have not arrived yet. Hello, California. Reducing the number of water days, the minutes of watering per zone, and the start times on those water days is an important fall landscape task. As I covered last week in fall chores for the residential landscape, you should really check it out. I, th I thought it turned out pretty good and had a lot of good information. Maybe some that was kind of common to you, but other stuff was uh, maybe something you went, aha, yay, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Most timer companies carry two types of irrigation timers. Either they're an indoor rated timer, meaning it doesn't go outdoors, or an outdoor rated timer. Outdoor rated timers can be placed outdoors and are basically waterproof with a rubber gasket around a plastic box and then the actual timer is mounted inside. Uh, towards the end of my construction career, I just placed outdoor timers, period. They went indoors in garages, they went outdoors on walls or uh, in, in shops or wherever we happened to be mounting it. And I just didn't do the indoor ones anymore because quite frankly, that protective box protected the whole thing, whether it was outside in the elements or if it was inside on a garage wall, it didn't really matter. Remember that indoor timers will require uh, what they call an exterior transformer. In other words, if you have the indoor timer, it'll, it'll be a, a little pigtail wire that comes out of the timer and then you plug the transformer into your garage wall. 
or into your family room wall or into your shop wall, wherever you want. For the outdoor rated timers, however, the transformer is sequestered inside that protective box. But you will have to wire what they call a, a high voltage pigtail cord into the connection box, generally in the lower left portion of the box, and then wire it up with a couple of wire nuts, and then you plug the plug into your outlet just like you would anything else, like you're plugging your vacuum cleaner in. That's basically the type of cord it is. And then the transformer inside does its own uh, scale down of voltage and allows the timer to use low voltage as it's operating electricity. I suggest finding if you're putting an outdoor timer uh, out on an outdoor wall, like out by your patio or whatever, I suggest finding a bubble cover for the outside plug, just basically for longevity and protection. Don't use just the straight flapper that you get from the the builder of the home, take that off and put a bubble cover on and then you plug in. That way you keep it a lot more protected. You know, like I said, timers are low voltage in their kind of their internal operation. And shock is very, very, very rare. If it was, it would be certainly, certainly a far less than a nine volt battery to your tongue. The valve solenoids that are out at your valves, the little electrical solenoid that activates a magnet which lifts things and causes all kinds of vacuum break and allows your valves to work, those things work off of millivolts. I mean, there's, there's no risk of electrical shock. But you know something? If you get leery around electricity, no matter how much voltage there is, contact a landscape contractor or someone that knows how to, you know, an irrigation specialist and have them put it in for you. At least seek out the professional help and then watch them and learn. And once you learn it once, then the old adage, oh, you can give a guy a fish or teach him to fish, okay? Now you'll be up and running self-reliantly. You know, have them instruct you on it and then read the freaking manual at least the parts that are really applicable, and learn and play with it, really get to know it. Okay, so let's, uh, let's move away from irrigation timers. I'll cover a, a little summary at the end, but I wanna talk about lighting timers. These devices are low voltage, like 12 to 15 volts on one side of the timer slash transformer, and high voltage on the other. A large transformer reduces that high voltage coming in from your wall plug, and then transfers it and breaks it down to your 12 volt and then sends that 12 volt or that low voltage current out your cable and out to your fixtures. Those transformer machines really need periodic attention unless you have created it in such a way that you don't get infiltration of bugs. Uh, earwigs, spiders, they like crawling up into those holes that are not plugged. So I strongly encourage you to plug those holes if you do clean them, make sure that you uh, unplug the transformer and then take a air compressor, canned air, whatever you might have with a real light broom or a brush and just gently kind of clean all that stuff out of there. Probably once a year minimum, twice a year will generally be sufficient, depending on where you have it operating. If you have it on the side of the shed where you got a lot of creepy crawlies and things that are out there all the time, they're going to look for shelter and they will, they will be attracted to the electronic wavelengths and stuff that come out of those transformers. And so you gotta clean it out once in a while. You don't want things getting shorted out. And then you'll get some things that are uh, the cabling that leaves the transformer. Mice and rats sometimes like to, squirrels like to chew on the casing. That's why we used to always put a, a PVC pipe and a male adapter going up into the transformer so that that cabling was protected from inside the transformer down underground and it was never exposed. Kind of a little pro tip there for you.
you. I would always check the system if I were you. Check it manually. There's generally a little switch, a little toggle one way or another, either on the mechanical timer or an actual flip switch on it. Check the switch in manual mode and check each and every bulb for good working operation. You're probably gonna have to, unless you have a photo cell, a phototopic cell that turns things on when the daylight starts to drop in the evening, and then it turns it off as the daylight comes up in the morning. Or you can also, nowadays, you can have a phototopic cell and then set the timer to run for maybe just six hours. So this time of year, things are dark at seven o'clock. Things come on at seven and it goes off at midnight. Something, something like that. That way you're extending your bulb life a lot further. But if you don't have that, you're gonna to have to adjust your timers about four times a year according to daylight hours, plain and simple. Why would you wanna have the lights coming on at five o'clock in the afternoon in June, but five o'clock in the evening in December and January, it makes sense, but not in June. So you have to go out there and adjust it. And if you got the little mechanical timers, the one with almost looks like a Christmas tree light timer, that's inside, you just have to learn how to pull those pins and push those pins so that you have your correct amount of time running there. So there you go. Uh, the less run time on that system, your bulbs are gonna last a lot longer. And I really encourage you, I strongly advise you guys to seek out LED bulbs in this day and age for reliability and longevity rather than the older incandescent bulbs of yesteryear. They just last so much longer. Yes, they cost more. But in the long run, in the long run over the life of bulbs, you'll replace, I don't know, five to 10 incandescent bulbs compared to one LED bulb. I mean, that's pretty good exchange rate, I think. If you're installing your own system, which is pretty straightforward, it's not really too technical. Many timers have what they call a graduated voltage lugs or almost like a breaker. It's where your cable goes in. You got 12 volt cable. One side goes into your common lug and then the other one goes into your whichever voltage. And generally on some of the fancier ones, you'll have a 12 volt. Sometimes it'll even say 11.6 and then it'll go all the way up to 15 volt. These are designed for cable runs, either shorter in length, hence a lower voltage, or much longer in length if you're running it a couple hundred feet or more. So you don't have voltage drop to where the where the hits the fixture or fixtures that it still remains the, the proper brightness that you're looking to achieve. So you, you'll find the various lugs there. If you get it reversed, I, I don't think if you have a real short run, you don't need to plug it into the 15 volt. A 12 volt will be more than sufficient. Uh, 13 volt for something that's maybe over 100 feet. And the 15 volt lug, if you're talking about something that is 200 feet or more. And if you have LED bulbs, you don't have to worry it quite as much because the, the millivolt that's being operated at that bulb is like a tenth or a twentieth of the voltage required to light that incandescent bulb. So you can have more fixtures on one cable run and you can run that cable run much further underground if you have a, a longer run. They are reliable when installed correctly and your landscape investment dollar can last and last with good care and checking periodically. Uh, that's the whole thing. It's, it's like buying a car, guys. You don't buy a brand new car and then you just don't ever wash it. You don't 
vacuum the inside. You don't change the oil. It's the same thing. They're just smaller, less expensive machines, plain and simple. So to sum up, double check. Double check it if you have these devices and make sure they are working properly. Adjust them this time of year as needed and enjoy the automaticity throughout the year. They're a great little tool. They really are. So going back to irrigation sum up, remember concentrate on the right hand side of that, of that wheel, that little click, 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 and you can program that correctly. Don't worry about the seasonal percentages and the other things that are over on the left side. All it does is complicate stuff, and if something goes wrong, you got that much more things to diagnose and clear out. You know, if you get stuck or something, you can always email me personally. I love, I love talking to folks through email and satisfying problems. It's what I'm here for. And as I say every week, if you'd like to support us here just a little bit at Yard Coach, please check out the website, youryardcoach.com. You know, we got the book, we got the digital course there. We've always got the 15-step DIY checklist. And I can only do, but thank you. Thank you for, if you're still with me, thanks. I really appreciate it. And I will catch you guys next week. And as always, to your landscape success, check those timers. Make sure they're doing what they want them to do. See you next Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.